Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett, and today I have a special guest, Jennifer Bourne from Bourne Creative and Inspired Imperfection. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, today we're going to get into talking about design and branding for the online course creator, the platform builder, the education entrepreneur who's looking to grow in those areas. And Jennifer is an expert in that. I've learned so much from watching her and learning from her. But first, Jennifer, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Well, let's get right into it and just kind of get the lay of the land. Sometimes we think we know what things mean, but it's often important to pay attention to the words and what what they mean to different people. For you, what is design and what is branding? And I know that's probably a big question, but how do you get started in having a conversation around those words? I think it feels like it's a lot bigger than it really is. Um, a lot of people will say design is solving, is solving problems. Uh, but I think it goes a little bit deeper than that and that design is identifying what the problem is and then figuring out a solution to solve that problem. Um, if you, you can really lead design, I think, in the wrong direction or almost the right direction, but just a little bit off. If you are, think you're solving for one problem, but you're but the problem is actually something different. So for me, the design process starts with really figuring out what the actual problem is the client's having. And it may be something a lot deeper than what they think it is. So kind of peeling back the layers of that onion to figure out the actual problem, coming up with the solution to solve it, but doing so in a way that doesn't just work, but works beautifully. That's awesome. And branding. Thanks. Um, and branding, that one confuses everybody because there's all different kinds of, of descriptions for it. So if we look at the core word, a brand is a noun. It's a thing. It's your reputation in the market. It's how you're known. It's how you're perceived. It's what kind of experiences people have with you. So it's your reputation. It's a thing. So once you add the ing on, it becomes a verb. Then it's something you do. So branding is the strategy and all the actions that go into building your reputation. So that's the easiest way to think about it. That's awesome. Well, a lot of people listening to this show are trying to teach online, either get into it or get better at it. They're already doing it. At what point, you mentioned like you start by figuring out, well, what is the problem we're trying to solve here? But how much of design and branding isn't just focused on the web property, but focused off the screen? Uh, like, I mean, design and branding is what people do. It's who they are, right? Like, it's not just what goes into the website. So how does someone if they want to improve their design or at least come even come up with a design concept and understand their brand, where do they start? So there are, there are five core steps to building a really strong, solid brand. It's brand definition. So it's defining your purpose, your values, your mission, your voice, your personality. It's brand positioning. It's where you are different from others, what kind of results you get, the benefits, you know, what kind of uh, who your ideal client is, all of those things, how you're positioned in the market. 
then it's the communication. It's how you talk about what you do. It's your brand message and the vocabulary and the phrases that you use that are uniquely yours. That when someone hears, you know, remembered, respected, referred, or hire, buy, and learn, they know, oh, that's Jennifer. This is clearly hers. These are things I've said, you know, over and over and over and over for years. So they become part of your brand vocabulary. The fourth step is brand brand creation. And that's where design comes into play. That's where actually creating the brand comes in. And then the fifth is brand promotion. So most people get really, really excited about an idea or they get really excited about their business and they go straight to step four. They go straight to creation because it's the fun and sexy part. It's the make it pretty part. It's the part where something actually exists and you can show people and say, see, this is what I'm creating. This is what I'm building. This is my business. And it's the fun part. But when you skip right to that part and you go straight to design, reaching the level of success that you want or your ultimate goal is going to be a lot harder than it would be if you started at step one and you defined the brand, you got the positioning right, you figured out your voice, and then you started creating. Because if you skip all those, you're going to struggle and it's going to be hard. And eventually, you're going to have to loop back to the beginning and you're going to have to do it anyway. That's awesome. Well, let's, let's kind of make it a little more tactical and get into a hypothetical example. I know that we both share a love of cooking and let's say I wanted to create a cooking course, but it's, it's definitely my style. I want to create a brand around that. I want to, um, you know, have my own design and flavor. So it's not just some generic how to cook on the internet. How, how would I start with the defining that like in the first step one? Well, I think the very first step is you have to figure out why you're creating that, that cooking course. What's missing in the market that isn't being served? Or, you know, where's that gap that you can fill? What, what isn't working for you that other people are doing? What do you wish that there were? So you can look at, you know, why you're doing that and what place in the market you can fill. Uh, looking at the mission, what's your goal? What kind of change do you want to see happen? Or what kind of effect do you want to have happen in the community place or amongst your audience from you starting this course? What are they going to learn? How are their lives going to be different? How is this going to help their family? How is this going to reduce stress? You know, whatever it is. But it's getting really clear on the purpose and why it exists in the first place the goals that you have, the change that you want to create, the mission that you have. Uh, so it's getting really clear on, on the reasoning behind this existing. Because people, they don't really care a whole lot about what you're doing until they really know why and they, they can connect with a story that resonates with them. So that's the very first step is just getting really clear and defining those values, the mission, the purpose, uh, and then looking at the audience that you're trying to serve, you know, positioning it in the market, who you serve, what you do, how you're different, the results that you are going to help them get. And that's really key. Confused mind isn't going to buy. Somebody who's confused about what you're doing, what you're offering, what you're selling, what they're going to get, they're not going to spend any money because they're not quite sure. People need clarity about exactly what you who you're a great fit for, and how you're going to help them, what they're going to get out of it. And if you don't have that clarity, they're not going to have that clarity. 
Well, so the me, very first step is getting really clear. Well, let me just add to that. If we're, um, let's say for example, like my wife's a big organic farmer. We're very much involved in like the organic food thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, healthy cooking, whole foods, making mm-hmm. our own stuff, making sauerkraut, whatever. But we have the same struggles nice. that a lot of families have, which is, uh, you know, I'm really short on time, but I love to cook. It's super relaxing for me. I work in the digital world mostly. And I love to get into the kitchen, have kids playing, you know, friends over, whatever. I, I just, for me, it's a source of relaxation. Um, I love trying new recipes, uh, experimenting with different things. And I also just care a lot about my kids' health and, uh, you know, want them to be energized and have an adventurous palate and, you know, healthy food that, uh, you know, people want to come over and hang out and uh, enjoy a good time. And I want to do all that without spending too much time and also without breaking the bank. So, like, so that's, I can see what you're saying in terms of defining, like, why I like to do it. That's maybe a place to start kind of getting into my my brand or my design for an online cooking course. Mm-hmm. Right, because when you try to just target everybody, when you think, oh, you say, you know, my product my course is going to be great for everybody. Everybody could learn this. I'm glad that you're excited about what you do and you believe that. But to really be successful You've got to be speaking to a specific person because then they feel like, oh, you get me. You understand me. You know me. This is for me. I'm really excited. And that's how you build those raving fans that are going to share your material and share your course and become a brand ambassador for you. But you can't do that when you're really general with your marketing or with your message. So by looking at why you're doing it and the purpose behind that, more than likely your ideal audience, the perfect people that are going to be a great fit for buying your course or reading your blog, they're probably going to be a lot like you. They probably have the same wishes that you have. They're going to be people who also are busy and working, but they care about the health of their family and they want to be able to you know, make more home cooked meals and spend less because they're eating out too much, but they don't want it to be hard. So you look at a lot of the things that go into your why and your purpose for creating your course, you want to find those people that have that same struggle. And that's when you find in the communication part of building your brand, when you're writing, you know, your, your story, you're telling your story, you're crafting your marketing message. You've gone from point A, you know, point A to point B, you had a problem or a struggle and you learned how to solve it. And now you have expertise in that area and you want to teach other people how to do that. The perfect people to buy your course are the people that were you when you were in point A, when you were just starting out, when you had the problem. Those people are the people you can serve with your your eyes closed and your hands tied behind your back. They're the people that are the easiest to turn into raving fans because they have the same problem you did. They want to achieve the same result. And you've been there and done that and you can guide them along the way. That's a really good point. And just to think like tangentially to a different market. Uh, I remember in, when I was in college, somebody gave me a cookbook called A Man, A Can, A Plan. <laughs> and it was, it, was like less, it was less than five ingredients. There were cans involved and it was good. Nice. But like, that's a different demographic. I'm talking to, that's totally different than what I'm talking about now. But 
you know, at that point in time, something like that was helpful. So that's cool. Well, how do I, how, if I have a cooking course, would I position it in terms of like, what does positioning mean to the online course creator in terms of, you know, branding and, and, and that sort of thing? Positioning is really all about finding your spot in the market, you know, finding a different voice than what's already out there, something that's unique to you and a unique, a unique value delivery, really. I mean, if we look at like, take, you know, Food Network, and I was actually just reading an article, you know, about some of the brands on Food Network the other day. So this is pretty timely, but we look at like Sandra Lee, right? She has this uh, show called Semi Homemade Cooking. Mm-hmm. That's a niche in the market that nobody, nobody was serving, but it's something that's very different. It's a lot of her recipes use pre-done, pre-packaged things. And then it's a combination of those plus some home cooking. So it's kind of home cooking, but it's fast and it's easy and you can buy stuff right off the shelf. That's a niche in that food market that wasn't being served at the time. Now it's not for everybody. A lot of people like, really? You're buying this is already done and you're just tweaking it a little bit? They're not her audience. But she's built this giant following of people because it fits them and where they are in their life, right? They're not, those aren't the people that are going to the organic farmer's market. Those aren't the people that are, you know, really focused on eating super healthy because totally different audience, totally different show. So we look at how they position shows because those are basically courses, but they're on, you know, they're just on TV instead. So it's finding something that isn't being provided yet or finding just a new twist on that that's unique and different. But it's all about finding a gap in the market that you serve that somebody else isn't serving yet or doing so in a new way. That's awesome. So what was the next step? Was it words or? Uh, yeah. So then how communication. So how, how would that work for this hypothetical, busy entrepreneur, loves to cook, stress relief, has fun, gets kids involved kind of course we're talking about here? Well, the hardest part of building any brand, I think, is the communication. It's finding the voice and figuring out how to talk about what you do in a way that resonates with other people. It's the hardest thing for people. It's why when people are writing their website content, the about page is the last one they do and they struggle and struggle and struggle and ultimately probably ask somebody else to help them with it. Um, People have a hard time talking about themselves and about their expertise and they have a really hard time answering the question, so what do you do? It stresses everybody out. Why is that? Those are the things. (laughs) I think because I think people have made this huge deal about elevator pitches and talking about what you do and all this stuff that you need to come up with something like amazing to say. Um, Because I think like people ask, well, what do you do? If I just said, I do graphic design, they're like, they immediately jump to preconceptions of what that is. Oh, I have a friend that does that. Or you know what you do. Oh, my cousin does that. Oh, you use Photoshop. Sweet. They all, people have preconceived notions of what you do. And so trying to talk about it in an interesting, unique way that gets people's attention and makes them want to learn more, you have to say more than I have a food blog or I teach a cooking course. 
They're like, I know 80 people that do that and I love food, food network. So why do I need you? Like I have a TV. Did you happen to see when, that cookbook that came out recently called uh, thug kitchen? No, it's, it's, but that sounds awesome. And it, there's profanity all through the recipes and everything, but that's, is that, <laughs> is that an example of, uh, you know, really stepping. That is some good positioning. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's finding it definitely a unique spot in the market. Um, but, you know, communicating it too is all about communicating all of the things that you want to say. Like, I'm sure we've all been at a networking event. Someone asks us what we do or they ask us, oh, you have a course? Tell me about it. And you fumble with some answer and then walk away and later you're like, oh, I should have said this, or I should have said that, or I didn't even tell them about this. So it's getting one really, really clear about your brand. So you can talk about it in a really smart way that gets people excited or gets people who are the right fit interested. So it's figuring out and really communicating who your ideal client is, who the perfect audience is for your course, how you can help them how you're different, how this is different than anything else that they've done before, the result that you can get for them, and not just the result, but that big benefit they receive from that result. So why that result is important, what kind of impact it's going to have on their business or their life or their family. It's also looking at squashing some of the objections that people have and why they say no or why they might say, it's not for me. So... Some of that is we typically will walk our clients through a formula that is, um, it's got a few different steps in there, but we start out with I help or my course helps. And it's the definition of your ideal client. And then we talk about what does it help them do or, or achieve, um, right? And that's the big result that they're going to get. And then we look at how it's different from anybody else what's that positioning statement that makes you different what makes you unique and then what are they going to be do as a result of achieving that as a result of of participating in your course of taking it when they have all that knowledge what are they going to be able to do and then looking at those objections why people say no and overcoming them with you know, I help people do this big thing so they can enjoy this great result, even if they think they don't have enough time, even if they're already strapped for cash, even if you've tried this before or you've taken other courses and it hasn't worked, even if, because you want people to listen to you talk about your course and communicate what your course is about or what your brand is about, you want them to think, oh, that's your ideal client, that's me or that's my friend. You want them to hear that result and think, I want that. Like, I want to achieve that. I want that for myself. You know, you want to hear that big benefit and think, wow, my life would be amazing or my business would be amazing if I could achieve that too. But then they're thinking, but I'm busy, but it didn't work, but I've invested in this and I actually, even if you've taken a course before and it hasn't worked. Even if you don't think you have time to do any of the exercises, even if you're broke, we can get this done. You want to squash those and they think, oh, well, I have no reason not to check this out. I have no reason not to take action. 
right? They're self-qualifying and squashing objections in their mind while you're talking about your brand. That's awesome. Well, if we kind of figure out the communication piece and we get into creation, I see a lot of either very poor design, just lacking, lacking design, or um, perhaps, you know, the wrong design for the wrong brand, like perhaps like super corporate and polished, but the brand is actually edgy and, um, you know, grungy. So there's like a misalignment between brand and design. And sometimes I see great design too, but uh, design is just one of those things where <clears throat> I think people like know it when they see good design and some of it they're aware of, some of it they're not. But how does, like, let's just assume we're open to not being great uh, creators of design and branding. Like, what do we do? Where do we start as an online course creator? What's step one? Is it a logo? Is it colors? Is it, what is it? The very first step is figuring out the actual brand core look and feel. So it is, it's the logo, it's the color palette, it's the type stack, the typography that's gonna be used, what are the headlines, the body copy, the buttons, the bulleted lists, you know, it might have icons for PDFs or Dever. It's figuring out all of those individual elements, you know, the pieces are, people will refer to it as, you know, the patterns for the design. It's figuring out and getting really clear on exactly how the brand is going to show up in all cases. You know, it's always going to use these colors. It's always going always to use these design elements because consistency is critical in building memory and building space in people's minds so they recognize your brand and they remember it from seeing it consistently over and over again. So the very first step is defining those elements. That's cool. And my advice would be to really go get some professional help with that piece because that's very hard to do unless you have training in a, in a design background, an art background. But it's one thing that there's so much that happens after that that you might as well set yourself up for success with getting a style guide or design pattern, um, you know, a professional logo. Now, there's different levels you can invest, but at least try to get some professional help at that stage. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you see the do-it-yourselfer? I mean, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, what advice do you have around that? I think there are certain things you can DIY and certain things you can't. And your logo, your, your brand style guide, your color palette, the choice of all of those things is something you should not DIY. People, you know, they say, oh, they don't judge a book by its cover. Well, that's advice. It's not a reality. People judge a book by its cover. They judge you on your design. You have crappy design, they're going to assume your content is crappy too. If it looks DIY and homemade like a fifth grader did it, they're going to assume that the rest of what comes after that is the same. So there are certain places you can DIY, and we can talk about that. But building your foundation is not one of those because this is going to set up everything else you design, your worksheets, your website, your handouts, you know, your video intros. Everything is going to be based on this style guide and these initial brand elements. So you want to get it right the first time. And you don't have to spend tons and tons of money on a logo. I mean, I'm going to say, this is terrible coming from a designer, but really nobody gives a shit about your logo, right? It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter if it has an icon or it has a cool design. It doesn't matter if it's just the word in a set really nicely in a good typeface. It doesn't matter. You have all these designers out there that are like, your logo needs to communicate everything your business stands for. Nope, 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 it doesn't. Because guess what? When it's used all by itself, it doesn't mean anything anyway. All of the meaning and the messaging and the feeling that comes from people's experience with your brand, it's not going to matter if your logo has, you know, an icon or not. It's what you say and their experience and how they interact with you and how you make them feel and what they learn. It's all of the meaning is the package of all of those things together. So you don't have to spend, you know, tons and tons and tons of money getting this done, but you really should work with a professional who can get you something that one is clean, is scalable. You can use it tiny and you can use it big and it's still legible. And it gives it to you in all the right files. So you're not kind of screwed down the road when someone says, I need this in a vector EPS. And you're like, oh, okay. Right? So you want a good foundation that allows you to do everything you've imagined and not limit you down the road. Very cool. Well, where does the, if somebody is going to DIY it, and let's say they've take, taken a step back and invested in getting a professional design base, or their logo and their <laughs> style guide and typography and whatnot, which, which parts can they DIY? So we work with, uh, uh, we work with a lot of clients who uh, uh, invest in the, invest in the design, but then they also invest in templates that they can manage themselves. Right. So a lot of people have budget to work with a designer, but they don't have an unlimited budget. Right. So the places where you can DIY, if you work with the right designer and you have clarity about what you need with your course, you can have them set up, you know, design the logo, set up and create that brand style guide so you know, you know, exactly how things are going to look. And then if you can say, for my course, I need worksheets, I need, you know, these different elements, but let's just talk about worksheets because they're easy. Like we have a client that said, okay, I need to be able to create uh, worksheets at three different levels of, of people in our programs. And I need uh, worksheets that are just exercises, worksheets that are special, that have like a differentiation because they're the end or they're the culmination of a section. So what we did is the first thing we do is find out what software you have, right? Do you have the Adobe Creative Suite? Because that makes my life really easy. You don't? I have to design a Microsoft Word, and that's terrible, but I do it a lot. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's great for our end clients because they've got their logo, they've got their whole brand style guide, and now what we give them is a collection of Word templates where we've styled the body copy, the headlines, the bulleted list. We've styled all of these elements. We would style a style sheet for a website, but we can do all of that in a program like Word we can drop in the design elements in the header and the footer or in the background. So they can just open it up. They can type in their worksheets or they can add a transcript. They can do whatever they need to do with the content, but everything that they create uses templates that were designed by a professional. So it all still looks really good and they're selecting the right headline templates you know, the right headline styles out of the templates that we gave them. They're not having to manually style things and then, oh, they use the wrong font 
here and they used a different one here and oh you picked the wrong color blue here because it's all built into the template they're able to diy the content but a designer a professional design the templates that they're working from so that's when you can start to diy things you want a professional to lay your your whole foundation to create your templates so you're consistent and then DIY adding things into those templates if that's something that you're comfortable with. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and those of you listening are probably also thinking in your mind, well, that's kind of like a website. It's, it's got templates. If you're doing mm-hmm. courses, you have yeah. like a, a lesson template, a course template, sales page template. And <clears throat> yeah, I think that's the, the big mental shift to make is like, if you're going to invest in good design, uh, you can really get a lot of leverage out of templates and then, you know, just become an expert and make sure you've got, you know, the basics so that you can then from there go create the content, whether that's on the website pages in the learning management system, if it's in a, uh, you're making worksheets or eBooks or PowerPoint or keynote presentations. I see what you mean. Cause once you have those building blocks, there's just mm-hmm. so much you can do, or you can outsource it to somebody else, but the brand and the style is going to stay consistent because, you know, they, whoever is working with you can build on top of the proper design templates. That's really right. And that way you have solutions for every budget level because we do have, have clients that do, you know, courses and things. And we do every single worksheet, every single slide of every slide deck for every Thing. And it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of money when you're looking at 60 something, uh, you know, 60 something worksheets, you know, 18 slide decks that are, are you know, 60 slides a piece. And we're designing all of the graphics and all of the elements. We have some clients that have the budget and they care about design so much that they want everything designed beautifully. And so we have that level. Then you have the level that's, you know, Hey, I want to invest in a really good foundation. Give me a PowerPoint presentation template. Give me worksheet templates. Give me all the base and the templates. And then I'll run with the content. Then you have, you know, those that are like, give me a style guide and we'll hire a VA and do it ourselves. And we usually end up doing stuff for them later too. But the other thing to remember too is you can always go back and upgrade your materials, right? Don't let perfect. I say this and I'm the biggest hypocrite because this is my issue. I say this to you to take my advice that I have a problem taking. Don't let perfection in design stop you from to market. So if you have a a limited budget up front, work with a designer to create your logo, your style guide, your worksheet templates, and get all that content in there, get it out there and start working with people, build your audience, get some testimonials, you know, see how things are working, where you need some tweaks. You can always loop back and say, wow, these worksheets have been our absolute most popular, or we've got income from the first time we launched this course. We're going to reinvest that into actually improving these worksheets and, you know, having certain ones professionally designed instead of done in Microsoft Word or whatever. But I always look at how can you take some of the profit that you got from your first launch to reinvest making the course or the program even better for the next time that you sell it. So it continues to be a program that sells, you know, in an evergreen way and people continue to want to be a part of it. 
That's a really good point. We're big fans of, uh, you know, just kind of that lean method of, okay, let's get validation, get this course to market, make sure that you really struck a nerve here before you. And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I struggle. (laughs) We all do. We all do. One of the things. It needs to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I tell people to do, which is kind of counterintuitive and I, and I struggle to take this advice myself if I'm launching a course is don't even worry about the website or the, uh, uh, the learning management system or anything, any of the technology, go get three sales and run the first version on Skype live. And, and that's a way to like really validate your idea. Okay. If those three people paid for it, I have something here. Now maybe I have some funds I can start with uh, investing in some design and some technology without, cause you can get, there's a definitely a problem in the online course industry of the failure to launch. Cause Oh, I need design. I need these technologies. I need this web developer. I need this high-end hosting account for all my traffic. And what if the site goes down and blah, 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 blah. But um, yeah, that's a, that's a really important lesson that we all need to learn about, uh, you know, just being okay with a little bit of imperfection and getting it out there. Well, I think we're realizing that the full blown course doesn't have to be step one, right? So if we look at like I'm in the process of turning uh, a lot of the branding content that we have, we were talking about this into a course. Uh, but while that was my goal from day one, my day one step wasn't, hey, I want to create a course. It was, I have this idea. I think it's going to work. I'm going to put together a little bit of content and some worksheets and host a workshop. And I'm going to run through it live with some people and then see what they think or where they got stuck or where there was some hiccups so that I can tweak it and edit it and make it better. And I'll video record it so then I can transcribe it and I have all that content that I can work from so I'm not starting from scratch. So you can do that with, um, I happen to have friends who are hosting the conference, so they had me do the workshop. Um, so I got to test it, test that content at two different occasions, hosting workshops with real people. Um, but if you don't want to host a whole workshop, you can gather, you know, friends together, or you can get people together, like you said, on Skype or Google Plus, and you can run them through a lesson and run them through those exercises and see what they think and get their feedback. You can record it. You can give people access to videos. You can say, hey, I've got a beta of a test. This is, you know, module one of a course I'm creating. You know, who wants to take it and go from there? Like the whole giant full-blown thing doesn't have to be the first step. Absolutely. And I, and for those of you out there saying, I don't have an email list, so I can't test it with a webinar or, um, you know, with a, a beta version of the course, or I don't have connections so I can go speak at a conference. Another thing you can do is you can, let's go back to my cooking Uh, course example I could create okay I'm going to try to create a really awesome video that captures my brand I'm going to put it on YouTube I'm going to take some time and make sure I use the right title and put a long description and tags in there I'm going to do a little bit of effort and maybe share it on Facebook maybe run some Facebook ads on it like ten dollars or something and then I'll come back in a week if it has 10 views on it that's one thing. If it has a thousand, maybe I'm starting to go somewhere. So you can get validation in all kinds of different ways. In fact, it's pretty fun to think about all the different ways you could, could validate a concept. Well, what about mm-hmm. promotion, Jennifer? That's what comes next. So what's, what's that next step like? The very, I think 
the first thing is understanding that that whole, if you build it, they will come. Everybody says, yeah, no, they won't. And they're right. Just because it exists doesn't mean that anybody's going to buy it. And just because you think it's great doesn't mean anybody's going to buy it. So the very first step is nobody can give you any money if they don't know that you exist. So your number one job as a course creator, as a website owner, as a blogger is getting people to know that you exist. And that's getting visibility for your course or your brand or your blog in as many different ways as possible. Ultimately, you want people to say, wow, every time I Googled this topic, I kept finding you. Because that's going to reinforce the fact that you know what you're talking about and you're an expert, right? So it's looking at offline and online strategies. It's looking at free and paid strategies. So you've got to get out from behind your computer. You've got to go to networking events and conferences, and you've got to tell as many people as possible that your course exists or that your website exists and invite them to come and check it out. You've got to be on social media. You've got to be visible. You've got to be sharing helpful resources and writing blog posts and creating content. You know, participate, do a Facebook Live, post videos on YouTube. You can't assume that anything is not going to work until you've tried it. So an email list isn't an end-all, be-all. People launch successful sites and courses and things that don't have an email list all the time because they're willing to pound the pavement and get out there and do what it takes to get visibility. They'll email people that host Twitter chats and ask if they can be a guest. They'll email podcast owners and radio hosts you know, radio hosts and say, can I be on your show? Here's why I think I would be a great fit for your audience. Here's what kind of value I think I could deliver. You know, they reach out to people. And that's the other key is looking at finding other influencers. Once you know who your ideal client is or who your ideal audience is for your course or your blog or your show, once you know exactly who that person is, you can find out where do they go for information? What influencers do they learn from? What influencers do they listen to? What blogs do they read? What people do they follow? And you can reach out to those people and say, hey, I think that we have a similar audience. You know, my, this is my ideal client. This is kind of who I see your audience as being. I think I have something that could deliver a lot of value to your audience. And then maybe consider host a webinar together do a show together, do a Facebook Live together, you do something, write a guest blog post for them, you try something out to see if your content would be a great fit. And then if it is, then that opens a conversation for them possibly being an affiliate for you down the road. But it's looking at what influencers and what other people complement what you do, but serve the same market. You can't be afraid to get out there and take advantage of every opportunity that there is. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. I've heard it said that, you know, you really have to, especially if you're at the beginning, you have to tooth and claw to get to your first 100 students in your course. And, you know, you may get lucky or whatever, but almost everybody out there really has to work hard to get people in the course. And it's a combination mm -hmm. of trying to give away some free value, make some lessons for free, have some kind of awesome ebook or short video series on an opt-in that leads into your course. Um, I like to say there's really three types of marketing. There's inbound, there's outbound, and prospecting. Inbound just means creating content, and there's no end to the amount of content you could create. 
yeah. videos, blog posts, podcast episodes. Uh, you can direct mail people. There's all kinds of things you can do. Outbound prospecting people, especially in the beginning, can be a little shy or nervous about that. But it's okay to cold email people and especially uh, influencers. Just be of value. Uh, and you know, if your course is really, I think if you did the branding right and you're passionate about it and you have the right positioning, if it starts resonating with people or, and especially influencers, uh, you're going to get some good momentum. If it's kind of bland and boring and not well positioned, which goes back to your earlier point that, you know, everybody wants to jump to the sexy like design and color and typography conversation. But if you spend that time in the beginning, when it does come time to start marketing and pushing, you've, uh, you know, your, your message is going to resonate or not, which it should. It should either really resonate or not so much. Um, and I think that's the thing when you talk about, you know, when re reaching out to other people, joint venture partners, affiliate partners, strategic partners, influencers, if you don't have perfect clarity on who you serve, what you do, the results you get, why you're different. You know, if you don't know those things and you can't communicate them really well, you don't have that clarity, they won't have that clarity. And they're not gonna say, sure, I'll promote you to my list. Sure, let's do a webinar together. They're not gonna say yes if you don't have that clarity, they won't have that clarity. So doing all of that initial foundational groundwork is what's gonna allow you to reach out to some of these people with confidence. And I think the other thing to remember too, when it comes to promotion is what can you do or what can you get other people that's going to benefit you and benefit them. So it's not just, Hey, I think you have an audience that can serve me. Well, let me promote myself to them. You know, please help me out. But looking at, you don't create your course in a bubble. So you're the expert, you're the content, you're the teacher, or it's the same with a blog or anything else. Look at where could you possibly feature complementary experts as part of your course so that they have a vested interest in helping you raise visibility. So if you have your, if you're launching that cooking course and you are looking at, you know, I really need to boost that visibility. I want as many eyes on this. If you've got a, a specific module of your course, or you've got a specific, you know, thing that you're talking about, you can teach that just like your planning, but then maybe add a bonus interview from a real life person who's done what you just taught, who've implemented it with success or has benefited from using that strategy in their business. So maybe each part of your course, invite in an influencer or an expert who has been successful in that area to feature them as bonus training to, you know, here's what we taught, here's a real world implementation. Because then when you come to launch, every person that goes through that course is going to see that interview. It's going to see that person. They're going to gain visibility and it's in their best interest to help you gain visibility and gain purchases, buys, whatever. It's in their best interest for you to be successful as well because they in turn will get more invisibility. So it's looking at, you know, what kind of bonuses could you add, Q&As, interviews, things like that, that are going to feature other people and get them vested in your success. It's all about the win-win. Well, yeah. Jennifer Bourne, ladies and gentlemen, where can people find out more about you? You've got your agency at Bourne Creative and you've got Inspired yeah. Imperfection. Where else can people find yeah. you on the interwebs? I am at Jennifer Bourne 
on Twitter or at a bit inspired. That's my family blog, inspired and perfections, our family blog. But um, yeah, I'm at Jennifer Bourne on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus, all those things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me.